podcast, we are going to be talking some NBA draft, the trades that have happened and the ones that haven't happened yet. Going to get into what is going on in Kansas City. And finally, we're going to get off with some baseball talk. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I am your host, Devin Keeney, and with us today, live instead of on the phone, Lucas. Lucas, thanks for joining us. Not a problem. So, we did have our, I was something I forgot to bring up in the intro, we did have our very unsuccessful Fumbling Punter fishing trip yesterday. Uh, Lucas, you want to talk about that a little? I tried out the James River for the first time. Real nice place down there, uh... Nice people, good float, nice river. We didn't catch much fish. Uh, seen a lot of fish, uh, but the only thing I caught was a sunburn. Yeah, as did I, but uh, we had fun, uh, got a chance to get out, and then today we watched a little bit of the old NBA draft. And uh, Lucas, what are your initial thoughts, takeaways, big storylines? The only real surprise is the Jimmy Butler to Minnesota trade. Um, I think that's a good trade for Minnesota. They get them with Carl Anthony Towns and Ricky Rubio. Wiggins. Uh, and Wiggins, yeah. He kind of gets left out of them conversations. But Towns is phenomenal talent up there, and Rubio's pretty good ball handler. So, all they had, you know, they gave up a few guys. Zach Levine, me and Devin was talking. I really don't know much about him other than he won that dunk contest. Um, so, for the Bulls, I, they're just trying to salvage. They got a first-round pick out of his they got a couple of guys who have some talent, apparently, but they're just trying to salvage getting out of an unhappy relationship, I think, with Butler. It obviously hasn't been going well there for him. There's been grumblings for over a year, I think. Um, and Devin mentioned they may be trying to buy out Dwayne Wade, who just opted into a $24 million option. So the Bulls uh, clearly in a rebuild mode. If they do buy out Wade, then... Ron to go, don't you think? Yeah, and they got that Chris Dunn, uh, second or third year player out of Providence, uh, point guard, and so I'm sure that they'll buy Rondo out, cushion to buy him out, and then likely buy Dwayne Wade out because there's no sense in keeping Dwayne Wade around with the young right. team. I mean, because we talk, even if you have young talent like the Timberwolves have had the last four or five years, you still may win 20 to 25 games. Like, I think it's a good trade for the Wolves in that you have a true number one to, you know, make it anywhere in the NBA right now. Right, and, well, to dig into that a little deeper, Carl Anthony Towns is probably a number one, but he's a big guy, So you, but you got to have that guard or small forward type guy, and that's Jimmy Butler. Like, he immediately proves, improves the Wolves, and they should make the playoffs for the first time in over a decade. You know, I, I just had a good comparison come to me. They're basically like what the Wizards have done, except they accelerated it. Because you know how right now the Wizards are working their way up, and you're like, uh, if they just had maybe one player, uh, one more veteran player, then they could maybe get over the hump. I think the Wolves are doing that maybe a little prematurely with some of these guys, but they cut out the whole making the playoffs the first round, the second round. And they're just going for it. Because I truly think that if Carl Anthony Towns develops, uh, Jimmy Butler's as good as he can be, Wiggins and Rubio are as good as they can be, this could be a good team in the very near future. Yeah, and one thing you know for sure is they'll do something that's not done a whole lot in the NBA apparently, which is play defense. Thibodeau is the 
head coach, and he was known for being defensive-minded. So that probably gives them a leg up. So I don't know. Exciting if the draft tonight, so far the winners in my eye are the Wolves. And then, you know, falls to the Sixers. Everyone knew that was happening. That's a good move for them. Hopefully they start seeing results from the process. And then Lonzo to, is a win for everybody because he gets to play where he wants to. The Lakers are getting a good point guard. And Barball is still be able to chase his dream of a billion-dollar deal. So one of the fun parts of the draft that like I feel sometimes like our best content on this show happens either via text between me, you, JK, and Anthony, or when we're not recording. Because when we were watching the draft, the Pacers came up and their team needs from Jalen Rose was speed. They're the fifth slowest team in the NBA. And I looked over at Lucas and I was like, well, they're probably not drafting TJ Leaf. And sure enough, they drafted TJ Leaf. Like, it's just kind of one of those funny things that as we were watching, I was like, ah, well, if they need speed, they're not getting TJ Leaf. And they did. But that's another guy that we both liked when he was at UCLA. Yeah, I really liked him. Um, I didn't watch a lot of UCLA games until the tournament, and I thought he was honestly more productive in the games than Lonzo. I mean, obviously you could tell Lonzo was a good passer and and ball handler, and TJ Leaf I thought was the most impressive player on that team, to be honest. And But them little surprises like that happened. Like, I thought the Kings, I was almost sold on them with their second pick taking Malik Monk and just have him and De'Aaron Fox together with their two or three other Kentucky guys they have on the team. And that didn't happen. Malik Monk ended up going to Michael Jordan's team. So we'll see how that plays out yeah, from it, the second best player ever on his team. If uh, if Terry uh, is listening, I don't know how often he listens, but uh, I'm going to get get a new name that the, the Kings missed an opportunity on if they would have drafted Le- Malik Monk. They could have been the Sacramento King Wildcats or King Cats. I kind of like that, and it's fitting since they have they would have had almost their whole starting five from the University of Kentucky. Hell, they fire their coach and throw ten million dollars at Cal and bring him in and let him coach his own players. Yeah, you know that that's been thrown around for a while, and I just you know we talked tonight. They had Cal had three more players drafted. And I don't know why in the world he would ever leave Kentucky. He's no, a, there's no reason for him to leave Kentucky. But if he wanted to chase that NBA dream again, go somewhere where he knows the team already. Yeah, and that would be a good place to go. Although with uh, Coach Cal and LeBron's pretty good relationship, it seems like maybe he want to go to Cleveland or L.A. in a year. I'd hate to see Luke Walton get fired. <laughs> yeah, we're both pretty big Luke Walton fans, but, you know. I mean, if you have to choose... But, I mean, if you sign LeBron and Cal wants to come to L.A., you know, there you go. Yeah, I mean, if that's contingent on getting LeBron, you clearly are going to fire whoever you need to. Oh, yeah. Because he's such... I mean, we've talked about this before. Most valuable player in the league. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we have never got into that podcast, which we will do in the future. Indeed, we will. So, do you have anything more on the draft tonight that's really stuck out to you? Nothing really. Everyone just kind of, I got Twitter pulled up while we're doing this just in case Paul George or Chris Stapps gets traded, uh, you know, later on tonight. It hasn't happened yet. There's been lots of talk about it. Uh, So that remains to be seen. But otherwise, it's just a typical NBA draft. You're interested in the first 
10 picks, but the most exciting part for me is, you know, is there any moves, game-changing moves? And so far, there's only been really one. Yeah, and that's something that we talked about before the show, too, is the NFL draft is so much better because, you know, you have guys in the 5th, 6th, 7th round that are going to be difference makers on your team. And, you know, Lucas told me, you know, 200,000 people were there for each day of the NFL draft, and there were empty seats left in, in Brooklyn tonight. And because the NBA draft, it's just so hard unless you get a LeBron or a Kobe, and Kobe took and a couple of years to develop. And there's not a LeBron or Kobe in this draft. You know when there is. Like, I still remember them drafts. Like, you know when you get a game changer. So Next year with Michael Porter Jr., I'm calling it now. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But So, anyway, we're going to move on from the NBA draft here and talk a little football. So, news came out, and I got these in two separate updates on my phone today. First, that the Chiefs gave Andy Reid a contract extension. Not a big surprise. Andy Reid's been pretty successful in Kansas City, especially to compare it to his predecessors the few years before. And then, like five minutes later, I got another update that they fired their GM, John Dorsey. Uh, Lucas, can you make any sense of this? No, other than apparently they were in contract extensions with him, and then the first report was they mutually decided to part ways, and then they thought... And then the Chiefs said, well, we're not going to extend you past next season. And then apparently they just let him go. So uh, it's probably still a developing story as far as what exactly happened. But it appears the Chiefs just were done with them. They have had the weirdest offseason for a team who got home field. You know, they got a first-round buy in home field because they won the division's second-best record in the AFC. They let go of their number one receiver. They traded next year's first round draft pick and one of their first or in a third round draft pick this year for a quarterback who's not going to play for a year or two. And, you know, Jamal Charles was released as expected. Then he signed with the Broncos. It's been a really weird offseason for a team that went 12 and 4 and got a home playoff game. It has been because here's the thing, and you didn't even mention Jeremy Macklin, did you? Yeah, they cut their number one receiver. Oh, okay. So. They didn't get. I don't think they got better this offseason. No, and that's something I've talked to, uh, especially J.K. about. Is that you know they were so close and they did nothing to improve. The Raiders are trying to make improvements. The Broncos are always trying to make improvements. I think the Chargers got a lot better this offseason. And the the Chargers needed just a little more health, but you know they got another receiver and their defense is you know. If they stay healthy, you can't count the Chargers out. And same thing with the Raiders. They had a few guys hurt last year, but they, you know, they went out and they got Sean Lynch, who it's so tough to project what a 31, 32-year-old running back who took a year off is going to be like. But Ricky Williams did that, and you know he was somewhat productive. He was paired with Ronnie Brown, but the Raiders are still going to use DeAndre Washington and that other guy. So, And then, of course, the Broncos, their biggest question marks quarterback who's going to be the quarterback, but they, you know, they've all made marginal improvements and they've improved through the drafts too. And that's the thing, like, did the Chiefs improve in this draft? Because the NFL, it's it's almost bad to get worse in the Mm offseason. You can if you do it intentionally, like the Jets. They got worse. They cut several guys. They didn't bring in a quarterback that's going to be the quarterback of the future. So for the Chiefs' perspective, it was like, okay, you know, we could, you can get rid of a few guys, but if you get the right draft picks... 
you can improve through the draft fairly easy. And there's just no names that stuck out in their draft this year that this guy is going to make an immediate impact. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It can. But right now, you're looking at this draft, and you're like, okay, we have our quarterback of the future, but when are you going to see him? And when's that going to pay dividends? Is it going to be next season? Is it going to be two years from now? What happens? Yeah, and that's really hard for me to take because when you won 12 games and you regressed in the offseason, that, I mean, for no reason other than, I mean, I guess they got rid of Jeremy Macklin to save a little bit of money, but as far as I'm aware, they didn't use that money to go sign anybody, and they didn't need that money to sign their rookies. So I don't know what the point was there. And uh, Jamal Charles, gosh, you would have hoped to have given him another shot, uh, the same deal that Denver brought him in on, same amount of money. But uh, they That's may- true, but once the guy gets – I mean – once the guy gets, you know, they cut him because he was signed for this year at a higher rate than what Denver's paying him. But once you cut the guy, he may say, okay, I'm done. Or the Chiefs, you know, they may have just decided, you know, they were okay with Ware and uh, West. And then that guy they drafted, I think they said he may make, you know, he could beat out Ware and West for the job. So, I don't know. I just think it's a really, it's been a really weird offseason for a 12-4 and four team. Because look at these other teams, and they've gotten better. The Patriots, you know, whatever, the one seed, they won the Super Bowl. They got they, Brandon Cooks. They went out and got Brandon Cooks. They went out and got uh, uh, Lattimore yeah. from the Bills. They signed, like, four running backs that, you know, Rex Burkhead stepped in when Gio Bernard got hurt in Cincinnati and played fairly well. They signed uh, Mike Gillespie from um, Buffalo, who stepped in and had some good games last year for them. So... You know, you look at, you know, I'm just using the as an example. They got better. Um, so, you know, the Steelers, on the other hand, you know, they were a good team too last year. I can't say they got better, um, but, but they didn't, they didn't get, get worse. worse. But they got some good guys and, you know, they got T.J. Watt in the draft and a couple good guys, and they got some guys coming back from injury that, you know, can produce. So you, you can't tangibly say they got better, but I think they did. But the Chiefs, you look at them and you're just like, I don't think they got better at all. I think they took a step or two back. Like, who's your number one receiver now? Is it Tyreek Hill? Because he's hybrid type guy. Is it Mike you know? Conley? I mean. Albert Wilson? Like, I'm not saying these guys can't be because every number one receiver had this, you know, had their season of becoming a number one receiver. Yeah. But most of them you know because you drafted Julio Jones. He's going to be a number one. A.J. Green, he's going to be a number one. Mike Evans, he's going to be a number one. So did the did Chiefs know something we don't? which even makes it more weird because if their GM knew who the good players were, he got shit-canned. So, yeah. what's going on? Maybe maybe Andy Reid wanted more control over the team and the owners went with Reid because I, I would take Andy Reid as a head coach over a lot of guys because he, he gets results. Yeah. So he's a good coach, but I don't know. It, it's a weird season and... I know there's some Chiefs fans that were okay with it. Some Chiefs fans are just like, what the F is going on here? And others are upset about losing their GM at a weird time of the year to lose a GM. Yeah, just a really weird offseason. But we were talking about the Jets and uh, something that I'm excited for. And I promise you, this is kind of like the catfish on the ice thing. We're ahead of the curve on this one. Next year's quarterback class. The Jets, the Browns, uh, were both smart by not getting a quarterback this year. Next year, there is Sam Darno from USC, who I think will be the number one draft pick and probably win the Heisman. 
uh, Josh Allen from Wyoming. If you haven't read his story, I highly encourage you to search. I think it was CBS Sports did a write-up on him here a while back. Or no, it was someone with Fox Sports. I apologize. He's got a pretty cool story, pretty cool background, kind of uh, the Carson Wentz route of wasn't highly recruited. Uh, Really, really cool story. Seems like a good kid. And then uh, Rosen, Josh Rosen from UCLA, who sports quite the mustache. And... uh, like me. Yeah, for those of you, you know, clearly we want to one day uh, have a Periscope-type show. but And if we did, today would have been the day to deb- debut it because Lucas has a pretty solid handlebar mustache going right now. But anyhow, so I think that next year's the 2018 NFL draft class is going to be one of the best we've had in a while in the fact that there are going to be multiple franchise quarterbacks come out of that draft class. So, Again, this all ties back into if your Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes doesn't work out, you really look stupid. You really wasted a lot to go get him. Yeah, and I think Kansas City's thing was they thought they were good good enough where they'll never get that kind of the Steelers situation, Patriots situation. Who, well, they have their quarterback of the future, but you're just never picking early enough in the draft with the team you have to get a game changer. So you have to make a trade like that. But, you know, there's probably going to be a two, three, four, five win team next year. That's picking third or fourth. That would make that same deal. That don't need a quarterback that because it's the NFL, there will be a good team next year that has a quarterback that where we think they're going to be good. That's not, it just happens. And, so it's hard to say because the Jets, they're openly tanking. They cut David Harris. They signed Josh McCown to be a bridge, but I wouldn't be surprised if they run out Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg some games just to, you know, I just don't think Ugh. they don't really have any receipt. They cut Eric Decker, traded Brandon Marshall. They're not looking to win games um, because they want one of them quarterbacks. And for the Browns, they're probably not going to win many games, and that may not be by design. That just may be because of their process. The, they did draft a Sean Kaiser, and they really like him apparently. But obviously, if you have one of them picks, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna pass up Rosen or Darno or uh, Allen. So you know, for the Chiefs, you just really have to hope that Mahomes works out. That's moving forward he needs to be your quarterback for the next 10 years or otherwise you're going to go into a cycle of either having to trade up to try to find somebody or just be bad yeah yeah there's no way around it so that's all i've got for football talk for today because it is june but i love getting some football talk in come june we are the fumbling punter podcast yeah uh, so Lucas, what, uh, what, any big baseball stories? I saw your guy, uh, Schorber got sent down today. You want to talk about that some? Here's your open mic. Your, <laughs> your, your, your bleeding blue time. Yeah. Schwarber got sent down. It's a good thing for him this month though. He's kind of turning around a little bit. I don't know how many of you guys know about the weighted runs created stat, but basically it's one of them that tries to take in all of your offensive production to see how many runs you're accountable for giving various factors. And his was a 116, which means he was 16% better than the league average. But they still just weren't – and he was taking his walks. They just still weren't happy with his uh, strikeouts and his batting average. So I think it's a good thing. He gets to go back to Iowa and reset. 
um, me and Devin was discussing it earlier, he didn't have a true rookie season. His year he came up, he had enough at-bats to, you know, get rid of his rookie status in 2015, um, but he only played like 56 games. And then obviously that postseason, and then last year he played two or three games, blew out his knee, came back for the World Series. So he's just now over 100 games career and has played. So he's still, you know, most rookies that start in April or May or even June still get near 100 games. So he's still young, and and he only played 17 games in AAA. So he doesn't have the, the history of, you know, working on things. He's clearly talented enough to play in the MLB, and Theo believes in him. And that's basically all Cubs fans need to go on is Theo believes in him. Theo wouldn't, you know, wouldn't trade him for Chapman or Andrew Miller last year. That's how much he believed in Schwarber. So it's not really, I'm not alarmed by it. Um, I think it could probably be a good thing. Just at at the very least, he gets to reset and work on a few things. Um, But the Cubs, uh, they, you know, I don't know. They're struggling right now. Struggling to what the last two years comparatively has been, um, but fortunately the Brewers, they're you know they're a decent team. They're a few games out, but everyone else in the division, the division's tightly packed, but it's tightly packed because no one's broke away playing good baseball. There's a lot of bad baseball in there, and the Cubs, you know, it's not really their offense is the problem. It's some of their pitching. They're not getting very deep in the games, so the Central is still right now. It's too early to declare a winner like we can in several other divisions in baseball. Yeah, especially in the National League like we talked about on Monday. But uh, So at least we'll, uh, you know, maybe one of those teams get hot. Or maybe it's like, man, I think it was 2006. There was another year in the early 2000s where whoever won the Central won it because nobody else could win it. And, you know, when the Cardinals won the World Series in 06, they had 86 wins. And that was not a very good baseball team. That was not a very good division. So, really, if you're any of those teams in the Central right now, I always preach, get in and see what could happen. I don't like my chances with, right now, you're not going to like this. I don't like my chances with any of the teams from the Central going up against the Nats or any of the three teams out West. But get in and see what happens. I mean, I agree. Ultimately, I think the Cubs are going to win the division by a handful of games. Um I think they'll start pulling away. I think they're too talented to not. Um, but I was thinking today that this just last year the division was pretty much wrapped up by the All-Star break. You knew the Cubs were going to win it. And this year has a different feel to it. Like last year I was confident the Cubs could win the World Series. This year I'm confident they can make the playoffs. Not confident about a World Series run, but I'm not going to count them out yet. Just because once you get in the playoffs, things can happen, but... You know, they're still an extremely young team. They got a bunch of 24 and 25-year-olds and a couple 23-year-olds starting for them. They're a young team. Yeah, they are, and so you have to feel good about that. You don't have a bunch of guys in their mid to late 30s that, you know, or you're not Yeah, they'll all be in their statistical prime when the Cubs signed Bryce Harper after 2018. Ah, we haven't got that one in yet. Hey, Peter Gaiman says that's where Bryce wants to play. Now, we'll see if that, you know, that'll happen or not, we could trade Jason Hayward. That would definitely open up a spot in the – although I am happy with Hayward now. But that would open up a spot in a few bucks. Well, does Hayward have an opt-out in this? Yeah, after next season and then the season after that, he can opt out too. 
You better so, hope he really starts bringing it if he. Yeah, because I don't think he's going to opt out ultimately. But if he did happen to opt out and want to be a part of that big 2018 class, which I don't know why he would, then the Cubs are going to say, thanks for the World Series pep talk, man. You're a great player and a great defensive player. This season, slightly above average offensive player. Um, but we're going to go get Bryce Harper. <laughs> well, with. I mean, I would say, would they trade him? Do they have anywhere to trade him? I mean, could would anyone take his money and give up anything in return to get him? I mean, if the Cubs were looking for a salary dump, I would offer, you know, pay some of it down and just take whatever they want to give back if they really thought they had a chance for Bryce Harper. Someone would take him at a discount, and someone may even take his deal if they were really needing to improve their outfield defense. I mean, teams con- teams concentrate on defense now. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs were, last season, people think, well, they had a few sluggers and some good pitching, which they did, but the one thing that made their pitching ERA better was because they had an historic defense. And, you know, you Cardinal fans probably don't want to hear this, but several of the, you know, smart stat guys come out and said this was the best defense ever recorded in history last year the Cubs played. So defense makes a difference. Yeah, it definitely does. So I gotta get I gotta get a little Cardinals talk in. Uh, they won the last two in Philly in extra innings. Uh, the offense just went off. Uh, I blame the Phillies pitching more than I credit the Cardinals hitting in the eleventh that game. And then they did have a good win yesterday. Granted, it's the Phillies. Well, they struck out seventeen times and committed <laughs> three errors, but they did come back from like four runs down. So you know, some things went right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And today. I am sick and tired of seeing the Cardinals get thrown out on the base pads, make stupid errors in the field. It is, you're not going to win a division with talented teams when you play like that. That is the most frustrating part, and that is a coaching managing thing. If you're just, all those guys have the talent. I've said this before. All those guys have the talent to play error free, to run the bases like, anyone with a brain would, but they don't. And I I put that on Mike Matheny. Like, eh, I, I kindly disagree with you some. I mean, Matheny can't go out there and make him not boot the ball. I mean, maybe he can set him down for three or four games or, you know, may let Mo threaten to send him down for a week or so to work on something, maybe wake him up a little bit. But in some of the base running stuff, yeah – they, you know, they had coaches run them into some crazy outs. But some of them are just bad, you know, not getting back to the base on the pickoff. It's not like it's not like you go out there trying. It's not like they're falling asleep. Colton Wong just gets picked off several times a year. That's what he does. So, I, I, I they need a manager. They need coaches to address it. And I don't think Matheny's actually addressed it in a hardcore manner. I'm sure in the clubhouse he said, hey, guys, you know, let's play better. You got Wayno and them guys saying, well, we need to play better. You know, everyone knows they need to. They just aren't. So it's going to take some shakeup, but I just don't know. I just don't know if it's going to make them play better defense. I did see they had been playing better defense lately. They said on the broadcast that they'd only committed three errors in June, and then, you know, last night they commit three errors, and then today they commit two errors. So they almost tripled their errors for the month of June in two games. And one of them I actually watched. Um, was it the Martinez catch? 
No, that was an error. That okay. And DeJong should have had that ball. But the one where Diaz flipped it out of his glove, uh, that happened today. That's a tough error because he didn't really have enough time to set his feet and get the ball and make a decent throw to him. He had to scoop it out of his glove and toss it with his glove or whatever. That's a tough error. They ruled it an error. Technically it is, but it's a tough error. Kind of like, you know, there's errors that you get charged with, and I'm like, oh, you know, that would have been a hell of a play if he'd made it, you know, or he really didn't, you know, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't type thing. When And sometimes the official score will take mercy on you. But I, I kind of compare it to interceptions in football. Not all interceptions are the same. How many, you know, just tip passes, yeah. you know, that just come out of nowhere or not really tip passes I guess is a good defensive play but I'm talking tip passes from your You're offensive wide, yeah. players or it bounces off the off, off the wide receiver's chest and into the defender like you know I've seen that happen to Eli Manning like several times that year he threw like 30 picks don't get me wrong he had a terrible year Yeah. but I've seen six or seven of them that were just his receiver's fault and he's the one that's getting charged with it so but anyways, back around the Cardinals baseball. They're not playing fundamentally sound baseball. They've been thrown out almost 60 times on the base pass this year, which it happens to teams all the time. 60 seems like a lot because you're getting around that range of one per game at this point. They've probably played 65, 70 games right now. So you're almost, you know, that's like .9 a game. That they lead getting. the league. Yeah, they definitely lead the league. But you can almost count on almost once a game seeing a Cardinal get thrown out somewhere. And sometimes there's good throwouts, you know, that's close play at the plate or, you know, a good opportunity to steal a base. And there's just some awful ones. And they've made several awful ones. Yeah, and I'm not complaining. I don't think most people are complaining about, you know, if you're down two, down one, you're just trying to get a run across or, you know, you're in a tight game late and you get thrown out hustling or somebody makes a good play. There haven't been a lot of those lately. I mean, it's a lot of lackadaisical base running. And those are the ones, and I'm not saying it's all. There have been a few, and those really stick out in my mind because they piss me off. And <laughs> yeah. they, they piss everybody off. Oh, so. yeah. And that happens everywhere. But the thing with the Cardinals is, and I see a lot of chatter, there's not one trade they can make that's going to cure this team. They're just not. This is one of them deals where you play out the season, see if you can somehow win the Central if you want to go for it, make a move maybe and see what happens just because no one's run away with the Central. Or you can trade a few of your guys, get back some guys, reset in the offseason. You don't have to go into a full rebuild mode, but they got bigger problems than one or two guys is going to fix. Yeah, and I would look to move Lance Lynn because he's a free agent and the Cardinals aren't going to re-sign him and they're, you don't get the first round pick automatically for the qualifying offer but Lucas you got anything more in baseball for us today uh just a little tidbit uh Freddie Freeman's gonna play third base when he comes back so Matt Adams can stay in the starting lineup for the Braves who's been tearing it up lately almost matching Freeman's offensive production since since the trade and since Freeman went down so I don't know if the Braves think you know, Matt Adams is a part of their future when they want to start winning next season or the season after, or if they just want to keep him playing 
up until the deadline to see if the Yankees or someone else that needs a first baseman, maybe the Cardinals want him back. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be crazy <laughs> if the Cardinals ended up giving a better prospect back for him than what they received when they trade him. So, uh, you know, and today I seen Jeremy Hazelbaker had a good game for the Diamondbacks. He Ooh. scored a couple times, I think. So, uh, it's just, you know, just a little update on some former Cardinal, what we call Cardinal greats. You know, Mark Reynolds having a good year, probably getting all-star snub just because there's so many great first yeah. basemen in the National League. But They uh, should find a way to put him on the all-star <laughs> roster. Yeah, they really should because he's had a pretty good year for the money he's getting paid, so... Oh, best bargain Biggest in baseball this buck. year. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's been all for us today. Uh, put out two podcasts with Lucas, one live, one on the phone this week. So uh, we've kind of met our goal for the week. Uh, Lucas may not be in for next week. Maybe we can get him on the phone. Either way, we're going to go forward. Talk to you guys next week. Everybody, have a good weekend. For the Fumbling Punter, I'm Devin Keeney. And thank you, Lucas, for joining us. No problem. Have a good one, guys.